Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another edition of Under the Macroscope, our weekly podcast catch-up with Skybound Capital's chief strategist in the London office, Jabir Sadawala. Uh, in this podcast, we're going to be talking, amongst other things, about low default rates. We're going to be talking about uh, CEO and executive pay, uh, a reference to food inflation in emerging markets, which was a topic that uh, Jabir brought up uh, in a podcast back in February uh, as a, a major macro factor that we need to keep an eye on. Uh, but could I start by congratulating you, Jabir? Since we last spoke, uh, Watford have confirmed their participation in the Premier League next season. Uh, the last time we spoke, they were on the verge. They've done it. So congratulations to you and the Hornets. Yeah, thank you, Matt. No, it's a it's a big relief. I think we've had two sets of celebrations here. Um, the first one was around relief, and now that it's all you know, it's all sinking in. The second one is around true excitement. Um, we're looking forward to it. Um, we're determined to win the championship. We've got two games left. Obviously, that's heavily reliant on Norwich losing both their matches, which I think is highly unlikely. Um, but we'll certainly give it a fair shot. But it is a relief. And, you know, full marks to the guys, because you can end up lingering in the championship mm. for quite a few years. So to actually get back quickly is, mm. is quite a result. But I tell you what it does as well. Is it just shows you how much weight sport carries for loyal fans and how much it continues to do so in these bizarre COVID times, empty stadiums. Uh, we're seeing parts of that in India at the moment, massive debate in India with uh, COVID cases spiking to all time highs and yet the IPL continues unabated. Uh, and, and two arguments, one is how can you carry on? The other is, well, it, it's providing uh, a sense of escapism and, and entertainment for those you know, who can't leave their homes and, and, and needed to be locked down. So sport continues uh, to play an important role in these times. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely agree. And, you know, if it's done properly, why not? I mean, I've uh, I found myself glued to matches in looking at, uh, you know, initially being put off by empty stadiums, um, but then focusing on the sport and uh, I've come to like it. Right. Well, enough sport for now. We, we're going to go on to an article that you found from Deutsche Bank on low default rates and their macro effect. Yeah, um, and I, I thought it was a very fair point. It, in a way, it almost states the obvious, but um, um, it's not something that people generally are picking up on, or at least not that I've come across. And, um, you know, are low default rates actually a symptom of potentially um, stymied productivity going forward? Because if you look at why we've had low default rates, in a way, it's pretty obvious why. You know, we're, we're living in a, in a low, ultra low interest rate environment. Um, we've had incredibly low yields. We've had non-existent inflation. And we've just had endless printing of money by governments. Really, I should emphasize central banks. And this to me is almost like another magician's trick. The magician here is the central bank. And everyone else is the audience. And by that, I include governments because governments just have a political motive here and they leave it to the central banks to, to help build them out. Um, and then you have the markets, you know, made up of retail and institution. 
um, to me, ultimately, it has to pop. But you know, we have uh, uh, we have default rates today of around three and a half percent. Now, granted, that's been skewed to certain sectors more than others. Um, energy went through a tough time when oil prices were incredibly low, and as a result, you know, there were real there, there were a lot of companies just going to the wall in the energy sector. Um, but I think what's going to happen now is, um, you know, what happens when all that stimulus finally comes to an end or something basically pops that bubble. Um, we've seen around the globe how central banks have been delivering their ultimate put option by buying bonds and accepting them as collateral, good quality bonds. Um, also intervention in the ETF market, we've had that in Japan, which is a uh, you know, help with their stock market. Sooner or later, all that has to stop. And then I think you're really going to start to see proper competition. Which company can survive and which can't? Um, there are going to be winners. There will be a lot of winners, but uh, I think there will also be a lot of losers. They're going to have to rethink their strategies. Um, if they can, I think many of them will go to the wall before they can even change things around. Well, companies that win are going to need uh, good executive teams, which moves me seamlessly into your next topic that you picked up on uh, from the Wall Street Journal, I believe. It, just something around the median pay yeah. of CEOs and, and other executives of largely blue chip companies. Yeah. Um, I know this made you perturbed, if that's <laughs> a fair word. Yeah, it did. I mean, I've... Um... Uh, I've, I've always been a capitalist. I, I describe myself really more as a sort of social capitalist. Um, when I saw this, it, it, it highlighted uh, what I think we all kind of know. And this article looked at the median pay, as you quite rightly said, of CEOs of uh, between 300 and 350 of the biggest US public companies. Um, you know, last year, for instance, uh, the average was 13.7 million dollars. The year before, it was 12.8 million. Um, and uh, the year before that, I mean, 2019. Um, and then there was a deeper study, a really deep dive by the Economic Policy Institute. And they found on average that CEOs make 320 times their typical workers. And I just looked at the table. I mean, you know, basically, um, uh, the, if you take the, the, the ratio of the CEO to worker realized compensation package, it's risen from 21 times, just over 21 times in 1965 um, to 320 times, the figure I just stated uh, in 2019. Now, and I mean, that's remarkable. So then I was just having a look at a few other things. And you can see it largely tracks the S&P. And it just makes you think that, you know, they're, they're sitting on, let's say, shares and all other kinds of metrics. Um, and that's basically how it's being done. And is that the right way? Does, does a market that's going up and up and up, as we've had basically since 9th of March 2009, and we've been in this incredible bull market. Um, and for the reasons that I just highlighted earlier, you know, in terms of productivity, should it be linked to that or should there be some other kind of benchmark? 
Um, I know it's a debate. It's not a new debate. It has it's been going on for some time. Maybe there's no easy answer to it. But uh, it, nevertheless, these figures are startling. And also the other thing that stunned me was, you know, it's it's almost as profitable to be an outgoing CEO. Uh, <laughs> and another article also mentioned uh, GameStop's outgoing CEO, uh, who based on last filings had 1.1 million shares. And they were just recently, last week, sometime, end of last week, valued at around $169 million. Um, not bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's quite a way to go. And by the way, the top earners are not just in what we might consider to be the big brand names. Um, they are also outside the brand names. We just don't really sort of talk about them as much. Yeah, your last point, it's a reminder of some rumblings recently about a certain football manager who it seems has earned more by being dismissed by his club than he has, yeah. has actually earned in, yeah. in managing the club. But uh, off the sport topic once again, I, I mentioned in the intro, Jabir, that I think it was back in February that you shone a light on emerging market food inflation. Um, and, and what that can lead to in terms of unrest. Uh, you, you picked up some pretty alarming figures from the, the Bloomberg Agriculture Index. Yeah, um, so you're right. On the 14th of Feb, um, in my weekly and indeed the, pod, the podcast we did um, for that one, I spoke about rising food prices and potentially the impact that this could have uh, on emerging markets. Now, remember, in emerging market land, um, food is a much higher portion of uh, home shopping, if you like, of the home inflation basket than, say, comparatively in developed markets. You know, it, it's, it's as high as 40 to 50 percent. Um, it's often said that Arab Spring, uh, which um, happened from about the middle of 2010 to early 2011, um, was very much on the back of that. And that was an incredibly tragic event, which then spread to Egypt uh, and other places. Um, so then when this article, uh, when I came across this article, um, it shows how the Bloomberg Agriculture Spot Index has risen you know, just shy of 80% year to date. And I'm, it just made me think, what kind of impact is that having in the same regions? But what's interesting is that that same article, I, th I think it also actually is, um, it, it's a Deutsche Bank one. Um, the same article goes on to look at social unrest back in history um, and what might have driven it. And in this one as well, for instance, they look at the French Revolution. Um, so that took place in 1789 and it led to the overthrow of the, uh, the old uh, regime that, you know, once knew, the good old emperor days. Um, and that came after a succession of poor harvests that led to major food rises. Um, it was a similar story, um, they, they say, in, uh, in Europe's 1848 revolutions, um, which followed the failure of potato crops. Um, and interestingly, the overthrow of the Tsarist regime in Russia uh, in in 1970. That took place also in the context of food shortages. So there is a correlation here. Um, you probably can't say definitively that there's a cause effect, but I would say, you know, as the old saying goes, um, one swallow doesn't make a summer. 
when you start to have three or four, there's certainly a bit of a trend appearing here. And you look at what's happened around the globe, COVID and the supply bottlenecks, shortages and all of that. And we all feel inflation. Um, I think it's impacting some more than others. And sadly, it's the poorer ones uh, as opposed to the less poor ones. Well, as always, it's it's fascinating on this podcast to make an assessment of, of just what an impact these macro factors do have on, on various economies. So um, we look forward to keeping an eye on that. And also, perhaps ahead of next week's podcast, we'll, we'll have some more information on yet another spending program announced by President Biden in the US, which admittedly it still has to go through Congress and so on. Um, but the stimulus, it seems, uh, continues to come in, in the US and, and another uh, something to keep an eye on in the coming week. So as always, Jabir, wonderful to get your thoughts. Uh, the, the podcast available on Apple, Spotify and on the Google pod, pod, podcast platform for Android and all the past podcasts available at Skybound Capital's website, www skyboundcapital.com. Until next time on Under the Macroscope, have a great week.